podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Unless you're buying De Bruyne or Haaland specifically, don't go there. Hello everybody, welcome to Planet FPL, the world where everything revolves around fantasy Premier League. My name is Sitch. And my name is James. I was watching you as I did the intro because I knew you had your eyes down. Did you just try to stitch me up? I was like, uh, I'm just going to start it. I don't know, James is ready. But James is always ready. James is always on. Excuse me? (laughs) You're ready to go, right? You never need any prep time. As soon as the mic is on, James is ready to go. Best way, isn't it? It is indeed. Uh, So I I, I didn't miss the deadline. So that's a good thing. It started well. I've told everyone that you didn't miss it this time. I think uh, they should just scrap midweek football. Just play it on the weekend. Sod it. Um, It was bad. But then I had a captaincy miss. So relative to the captaincy miss, it could have been worse. I decided to buy Holland and Jota. Um, the news was that he was fit, but I hadn't heard any of the news as to whether or not he would start or not. So I made my transfers quite early on the Tuesday. Again, being busy, I thought, let me just get it done. If I'm buying Holland, doing anything, maybe. If Holland is fit, he will play. Uh, so I went with that assumption, which was obviously uh, the wrong assumption. And I sold uh, Salah for Jota. I st- as much as I'd missed the haul the week before, Jota's still a good buy. Okay, this week's t- tricky against Arsenal, but then he's got Burnley, Sheffield United. Jota was the one for me. Um, and I can run through with him. Um, even if Salah's back, I still think I might stick with, with Jota. So I bought Holland and I bought Jota. I decided to captain Holland. The decision on getting... Jota over Salah was easy because Salah is not going to play. For Holland, I had the debate of whether or not to sell any of my strikers: Alvarez, Solanke, or Watkins. So Watkins with Sheffield United this weekend. I said, Nah, I can't sell him. Alvarez or Solanke. I then decided, Well, look, they've got a double game week in two weeks or three weeks. Let's just say something happens to Holland, and. Uh, he gets a reoccurrence or something. I'm going to want Alvarez for the double. Uh, whereas Solanke, yeah, he might score or whatever, but the, the likelihood of him going crazy and really hurting me is slim. Whereas if it goes the other way with City, you could get hurt. Now, Not in the Al- forest, we'll see Solanke on Sunday, maybe. Yeah, maybe, we'll <laughs> see. But then obviously Alvarez has returned a 13-pointer, whereas Solanke didn't. Yeah. So you could argue the case, oh, well, Holland, uh, Solanke outscored Holland, but it wasn't a case of... Solanke versus Holland. It was a case of Solanke versus Alvarez. Um, so I decided to go with Alvarez just as a kind of little bit of safety backup for the double game week that's coming up. And um, I'm fairly happy with that. So 48 points isn't great. Ariola uh, with a three pointer. He does pick up these little save. Uh, well, he has to be playing in goal for you, doesn't he? Tell me about it. I mean, he's got to be hammer of the year at the moment. Um, I don't know. Trent wasn't back. Came off the bench, didn't he? So that was a bit of a disappointment. Spurs uh, conceded a couple of goals, so nothing from Porro. Nothing from Gabriel from that late goal that they let in. So defensively was a bit of a washout. Uh, Richie, Richarlison with uh, his goal. Jota with his goal. Alvarez with his returns. And Ollie Watkins. That was your lot. I did bench trips uh, away at Villa, who uh, we talked about. Villa, best home record. Newcastle, Newcastle, worst away record. We'll talk about it. 
so benching Trippier, I don't regret at all, to be honest with you. And obviously, he didn't keep a clean sheet. It was just the assistant BPS. So, uh, yeah, that was it for me. 48 points. It was a red arrow. Uh, not a big red arrow. Maybe 100k. So, down to 846. Uh, but first red arrow in um, six weeks. So Blind me. Yeah. It's not bad it when is. you miss the deadline after time. Yeah, yeah, very true. I only missed the one. <laughs> someone's going no, to make this the smart so coming of it. It's easy to have green arrows where you were, mate. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> but did you have a green arrow? No. Well, okay. Yeah, but my rank's better than yours, so. It is. Oh, God, like I cut the kids. My rank's better than yours. You see, my dad's bigger than your uh, dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I should add, actually, I benched Trippier because I had inside information, and so come at me if you want to. <laughs> what was the inside information? I had none. Oh, you I just didn't know if people were uh, going to call me out on what did you know about Trippier being benched that you didn't share? Yeah, can uh, we fuck you stop all. calling content creators out? Like seriously, particularly the the stuff that's nasty. Like, leave it out. You got nothing nice to say. Don't say nothing. My mum told me that. So, and quite yeah, often, just don't, just don't say nothing. <laughs> yeah, just I just don't say anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I had a drop this week. You, uh, random point. I think the world would be a better place. If we deleted there, Twitter, there was six. There was a six-hour delay on tweets. So if you wrote a tweet and hit send, it didn't get published for six hours because it'd give you time to uh, delete it. But most people just want to be. Uh, well, sorry, oh. most people's not correct. A lot of people just want to be horrible because they can be horrible and they're behind a the keyboard. So fine. yeah, yeah. Uh, 20k drop for me this week down to 216k, uh, 55 points. Similar story to you uh, with nothing defensively, basically. I, like you... Did you have the same defence as me, almost? Uh, player for player? Yes, it is exactly Ariola, the same. Ariola, Poro, Trent, Gabriel. <laughs> yep. Exactly the same, actually. Um, I decided Monday night, I talked myself into the idea of wanting to buy Holland, And my decision on that was, I'd, I'd kind of decided I was going to do it blindly, unless Pep definitively said... Nah, not not tomorrow, basically. Um, and the thinking behind that was that so many people wouldn't go there, we'd now have the most dangerous player in the game as a mega differential. Agreed. That's, that was in my thoughts as well. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't sure at that stage if I was going to captain him, but I was pretty sure that as long as Pep didn't say he's out again, I was just going to go there and get it done. Because most of us have known anyway, right? It's like get him when the opportunity arises as soon as I know he's starting I want to get him you almost don't want to be a game behind that. that's why a lot of people now be like should I buy him this week should I wait an extra week don't know the answer obviously look time stamp this it's kind of 11ish in the morning Pep's presses this afternoon by the time you hear this or watch this he may have already done it and therefore you might have more information than we've got at this moment in time um, but then after obviously Pep spoke and he was like yep apparently that was so funny he said Apparently he is available tomorrow. Like, don't you know, mate? Um, I'd kind of then decided, yeah, do you know what? Armband's going on him. Okay. I'm going to go for it. Fully in the knowledge of knowing there's every chance he wouldn't start. I started my deadline stream at five o'clock and I said, look, this is my plan. My confidence in him starting is just a shade over 50%, basically. But I was prepared to chance it because of the the upside of, imagine if he starts and his EO's under 50%, I've got him captain at home to Burnley. That was the risk I decided I wanted to take. Then there was obviously murmurs before deadlines. Lazy FPL had said they believed at 20 to 6, they said that they believed that Haaland wasn't going to start. But it was only belief. It wasn't, he's definitely out, or 
And at that point, I decided you know, I'm going to still stick to my guns. Then Tony FPL, who obviously kind of had the info when Holland originally got injured as well, had said, look, KDB is a better captaincy choice than Holland this week. Which between reading between the lines was KDB is going to start tomorrow and Holland's not. Now, I've obviously already committed to the transfer at that point because I made it about five o'clock. Had I waited, I obviously wouldn't have. But I'm sitting there at three minutes to deadline and then it's like, right, there's two different bits of information saying he's not playing. So I moved to captaincy. I still left him in the team. It was never a thought in my mind to put him on the bench, even though I was benching yeah. Cole Palmer. I was like, if no, I no. had that information, I would have put the armband on Jota over uh, Holland. What, Jota captain again, Suge. Yeah, How yeah. many points does this cost you now? That would have cost me seven. <laughs> So I would have had the same points as you this week. It's the same as Foden over. Uh, I captain Foden over Watkins was essentially my two choices, which has been a you know, point difference. Don't make no difference, basically. So I had Foden 12, Watkins 7, Saka 10. I started Bailey over Palmer because I was really confident that Villa would do well against Newcastle. That proved to be incorrect, but what a difference he made when he came on. Uh, Picked up four points. At Alvarez is 13. I think the additional point to say about selling Solanke rather than Alvarez because I sold Solanke as well, was I couldn't bear the idea of going Alvarez to Haaland and then Alvarez starting. Yeah, yeah. And there was obviously a probability that that could happen. So it was much about that so safe, as well. Safety net. Yeah, kind of. So, yeah, 55 points for me. I fully intend to roll a transfer. Uh, we've already released our Patreon pod and discussed it quite a bit this morning that I'm probably going into this week with something like Bowen and Gusto on the bench. So when it's that strong, there's, there's no real justification to be forcing anything, even if I had an injury in the team news today. Um, and it's a good week to roll, right? There's lots to learn. The Villa-Chelsea game Wednesday night, Salah's fitness. Uh, if we're going to get any information on this Liverpool-Luton game, which sitting here on Friday now at time recording with no announcement, we've seriously got to start thinking this might not be happening, I think. Okay. I think if it goes beyond deadline tomorrow and there's no announcement, then we become into the unlikely zone rather than the likely zone. I do still think it could be announced next week. Would I recommend if people want kind of a real detail what might happen with Liverpool-Luton and the prospect for a treble game week, which might not be as good as it sounds later in the season, listen to the first 10 minutes of my Ash James stream yesterday. I spend 10 minutes literally on that, so I don't particularly just want to repeat that all over again. There's lots to learn this week anyway. Um, we might definitively know if Haaland's back on the team Monday's loads. There's loads of reasons to roll a transfer this week if you have the luxury to do it. I realise not everybody will be able to do so. Captain for me, this week's probably going to be between Haaland and, and Watkins, I think. Uh, I think I might just go Watkins. Because I think there's enough... As, as City play Monday... Not sure there'll be enough information going around on Holland. Plus, but it gives him more time to get for right. For me, obviously, because I do the deadline streams, I do have the kind of luxury of being focused on the game in the minutes right up to deadline. So if there's news, I'll probably hear about it. Someone will, will likely tag me to a tweet and say, "James, look at this" or whatever. But tomorrow, I'm obviously going to Goodison. I don't really, you know, if I'm if I'm if I've the luxury to be looking at ten to eleven, great. But I don't really want to be doing it. I'm I'm going on an away day with Tottenham. So it might be that I just go with Watkins captain, which I know, yeah, I've been down this route against Sheffield United before, but I think that would probably be with what I've got. Um, the safest and best option, I think, possibly for me. So Watkins, Hall and captaincy. A few headaches, like I said, might be like likes of Bowen and Gusto on the bench this week, possibly. I'm going to go with Erling Haaland. You're gonna go I feel like it, yeah. I've gambled going early with him. 
I don't think everyone will steam straight back into him as, as this week either. But so, that's the point. It's going to be enough of a differential anyway. Do you reckon the EO will be to, to not over. take the risk? Mm. I thought more people would have taken the risk to get him in straight away. I think the fact that he's... What's changed as well, I said this on my stream yesterday, if Alvarez had blanked, I think we'd all be sitting again. I think Haaland's back in Monday night. Now he's got some minutes. Because Alvarez has done well, it would feel a little harsh to maybe take him out the team on Monday night. Plus, obviously, there's minutes in KDB. They've got everyone fit. It almost feels like don't need to take the risk on it. It's still Brentford away. It's not like a huge gimme. Their record in against big opponents is good. I mean, they beat City home and away last year. Very so true. it doesn't... Um, it doesn't feel necessary. I know I, I want to do it the same because I want the upside on it, but it feels like I don't need to. Um, and I think if we consider Watkins, if you are the sort of person that thinks about EO, if there isn't clear information on Haaland, the fact you've got Arsenal, Liverpool playing each other and look at Watkins kind of EO still being kind of 90%-ish at home to Newcastle and there was hardly anybody captain him as far as I can see. There'll be more this week. So the, he might even be, if you do factor that sort of thing into your thinking, he might even be the EO play, Watkins. Okay, uh, we're going to rattle through some of these games, James. Um, obviously, the full set of fixtures to, to get through. We do know it's a tight turnaround between now and the deadline tomorrow, and people may want to listen to other pods as well as us to get a more balanced opinion. But uh, yeah, so we'll try and keep it as fantasy relevant as we possibly can um, and help you with the upcoming decisions. We've still got eyes on the 25 double, depending on who you're going to buy and sell the blanks in 26 and so on. So, you know, certain teams uh, may get a little bit more love from an FPL point of view than others. Uh, Arsenal 2, well, Forest 1, Arsenal 2. Say it the right way, I should. Um, in the end, it was a dominant Arsenal display in terms of they had just 73% possession. A, a dominant without being dominant. In, in, in Well, this is in, what they've done the for quite a while. They not, not looking like they were going to destroy the opposition. Yeah, the... the um, jabbing away to keep a nice Jabbing's distance good, yeah. rather than going in for flurries of combos. Oh, they were never under threat of like losing the game or anything like that. No, I but when watched... you can see the late goal and it's 2-1, you do get squeaky bum time, whoever you are, yeah, wherever I you're I watched playing. the first half in the last 10 minutes. I had intended to watch the first 20 minutes of Villa Newcastle. I was far more interested in that um, to decide to stick with it rather than go back to the Forest Arsenal game. I mean, Arsenal had 81% of the ball in the first half, completely camped in Forest half, basically. I've seen these games before involving Nuno Santo teams. There's, there's not a huge amount to learn from them. It should be said that Forest, oh, despite playing very negatively, you would say, then negative tactics were, were working, right? Because mm. for all Arsenal's ball dominance, they never actually looked like scoring, particularly in, in that first half. Um, and it became a bit of a slog. Obviously, they go ahead. The game gets a little bit easier. Changes Sa- game state. the second, of course. So I think for Forrest, probably key notes would be, obviously, Aaron Yee back with a goal. Anthony Alanga came on as a sub. So that alone, those two things, is going to make them a little bit stronger for the weekend uh, offensively at Bournemouth. Uh, I just note on the two goals, by the way, I know Matt Turner got a lot of stick for the first goal. What is Gonzalo Montiel doing on the first goal? I know he gives the ball away for the second, but on the first goal, like if you watch him, he just moves out of position and Arsenal got a throw in. Yep. And they take a throw in down the line and they're in. It's really bizarre. Um, And there was a lot of Forest players getting linked with moves yesterday. They have bought a new goalkeeper. So if you are relying on Matt Turner, surely you're not relying on Matt Turner. 
Uh, Matt Sells, who was formerly at Newcastle when they were in the championship going back some time ago, um, has joined the club. He will almost definitely go in as number one because the other two goalkeepers are shite. So that Turner's going to lose his place. I think I'm not saying it'll be this weekend necessarily, but Forrest haven't invested in a goalkeeper when they've got Turner and Vlacadimos to just come in as second just and got third. Just got Vlacadimos in the summer. When they've got people looking at their PSR reports and stuff like that anyway. Um, for Arsenal, um, I know Clayton thinks there might be a few changes on Sunday. He, he has a suspicion that Jorginho might come into the team and Declan Rice might play a more advanced position under that circumstance. Smith Rowe, who played... Yep. Wouldn't, and neither would Kai Havertz. Martinelli did start. I know, to be fair, Clayton did think that Trossard would probably start. Didn't. Um, it's a big game for Arsenal on Sunday. The creativity issue just lingers with them. It does, like, They're it? doing well in terms of results and stuff, but you don't really feel like they're going to they're gonna blow anyone away at the moment. No. Um, and when... The likes of Liverpool and City in such good form. It's it's relentless that you've got to be up there. Look, they won. They got the points. That's all that will matter for now. Um, but there is a, a kind of five-point gap between them and Liverpool. If that turns to eight, you can't see them catching Liverpool. No, I, I don't think Arsenal can afford to lose on Sunday. No, agreed. Uh, Fulham nil, Everton nil. If you'd have just said to me, oh, mate, Fulham-Everton played a nil-nil draw down at the cottage. I'd be like, well, I'll skip that one. But when I looked at the stats, I mean, XG of like uh, nearly four between the Don't two of them. Don't worry about that. Just count the shots. Ten big chances between the I two see, of them. Was it ten? Yeah. Four for Fulham, six for Everton. Everton had six big chances. Uh, let me... That is alarming. Four right. big chances for Fulham, four missed. Six for Everton, six missed. Staggering. Um, and there's no penalties in that, is there? No, of course not. So there was, like, as in a missed penalty could have been involved in that uh, XG or those big chances. The game featured, arguably, the two most consistent FPL keepers in the game. Leno and Pickford are, are good, right? They are. I don't think that neither are in too many teams at the moment. I think Pickford, I want to say, might even be the highest scoring goalkeeper now, I think. It's bonkers. I think Everton have got the most clean sheets and they're in the bottom three. Yeah, go figure. Welcome to the Premier League. Well, minus 10 has something um, to do yeah, with that, James. But I think most of us probably haven't got them because of Ariola, the Bravka, maybe even previously Turner. Pickford is the highest yeah. scoring goal. Leno can't James. be far off. Uh, he's third, only six points behind. And sandwiched in between Pickford and Leno isn't Alisson de Becker. Yeah. Ariola's obviously. What price? Uh, Leno and Pickford? 4.5 each, is it? Or uh, 4.8 now? 4.8 for Leno, 4.5 for Pickford. But then Ariola's sitting there on 80 points, only one behind Leno. <laughs> the thing is with Pickford as well, a lot, of, a lot of less. people started with him and through that really good run of fixtures at the start of the season, he didn't do naffle. So everyone sold him to Ariola and then this, it spanned yeah. it, on, on points. So I think, look, I wouldn't be diving to go to them because they're performing better. They they cost a bit more than Ariola and Dubravka and I think the rotation between the two is still fine. You, you're not going to look at, if you've got that and you've got Dubravka and to Luton this week, despite Luton's very good form, I don't think, oh, I need to get Pickford now because he's got Tottenham at home. Like, you're not. No. So they're largely going to keep getting ignored but they're both really consistent. Like So for anyone who's got either, they'll be sitting there telling you they're very happy with that and that's perfectly understandable. Yeah, was it 48 shots or something in the game? Absurd. A ridiculous. Number. Um, what do you think for Fulham now with um, Breuer joining? Breuer, yeah, the big 46. big transfer of deadline day. Um, I mean, Jimenez out and Breuer straight in. Well, 
we'll see what Marco Silva says later today. But Diop went off in the second half. Raul Jimenez went off at halftime. Both hamstring injuries. Silva did say so on, that decision on, might be made. Silva him, did really, say yeah. on Tuesday night in relation to Jimenez that he, it definitely wasn't going to be days. It would be weeks. Whereas he didn't clarify that sort of thing with Diop. I, I'm suspicious that the Jimenez injury might be really bad. Like hamstrings can quickly turn into three months. You think three months from now is end of April, might nearly finish his season, mate. Mm. And that would be completely understandable why they've obviously gone in for, for Breuer, which is a loan deal that, that works for everybody. Breuer... Is there an option to buy in there? No. Is, is he an option to buy? No, is it an option to buy in the deal? Uh, no, I don't think so. Certainly okay. not an obligation, Fine. I don't think. Fine. Um, how many minutes slash games he plays influences how much money Chelsea get out of the deal. I think Chelsea have looked at it and decided that he's going to depreciate in value if he stays with them. And value is quite important to them at the moment. If he goes and has three, four good months with Fulham, they'll get more for a transfer from him right. in the summer because his spell at Southampton feels like a long time ago now, right? Mm. And obviously he had the really bad injury following that. So I think if he went and scored six, seven goals between now and the end of the season, Chelsea will get nearer the value that they want in the summer. Whereas at the moment, people aren't going to take the chance because they've not seen enough of him in the last 18 months. He's definitely an option for FPL, subject to this Jimenez nose. Correct. You just think about it logically. If Jimenez was ruled out for three months, Breuer's going to come in. He's going to be the number nine. And you know that they cover 26. You know that they cover 29. And it's potentially that the value that enables you, you know, you go... Hypothetical, I'm not saying this week, but going to 24, for example, and go Solanke to Breuer, put two million in the bank, that might be a bit of difference that gets you towards Mo if he's back next week, right? 4.9, so, he's sitting there. He's still listed as a Chelsea player on the gate in the game at the moment. But it's definitely gone through, that. 100%. Mm, yep. um, they'll update that later today, no doubt. So, yeah, Amanda Breuer... yeah, absolutely on, on radar. I think he would, he would now have to be depend on that Jimenez news. If it's bad, he'd become the, the cheap forward of choice. He'd have to, I think. Despite Adebayo's hat-trick this week. Sure you wouldn't rather be. buy Elijah Adebayo? Luton 4. <laughs> Brighton, nil. Uh, I've, just, I've already sold him in Sky. I'll take my points and run, mate. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Look, great return. And obviously, the one difference with Adebayo versus Jimenez, we spoke about Jimenez covering 26 and 29. Adebayo could have this double, right? Yes. So it's another one that would find you the money again. If it gets announced, Liverpool Luton for 25, you just need to check yourself on the amount of Liverpool Luton, Chelsea Tottenham assets you obviously have for 26. If you'd have the luxury... It's cheaper than Breuer by 0.1. Well, of course. And what you could also do is you could go Adebayo for three weeks, 23, 24, 25, or even come back to it. And then when he blanks in 26, just chain him off at a similar price to Breuer. Mm -hmm. You could do that. You could do it that way, couldn't you? Yep. So, yeah, to be considered. A uh, bit disappointed for many. I think that probably Alfie Doughty, despite a 4-0 win, didn't, didn't get any returns. But I think, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say this has been coming for Luton, but they've been playing differently over the he last six weeks He did get a clean sheet, so. though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is returning. a return, and uh, it's probably the return you wouldn't have expected against Brighton. To well, be I, I'm just surprised. If, if you'd said to me they're going to win 4-0, I would have thought he'll, he'll haul. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's all yeah, I mean yeah. by that. Uh, Ross Barkley is, is again the bits I saw of the game Tuesday night playing really, really well. Um, I think can be considered in that midfield. I keep an eye on Ben though. Obviously, his XG will look absolutely monstrous from this week gone because he ends up scoring a tap-in from, from two yards. 
He's playing right wing back. He was really good at Burnley. Reports suggest that he played really well again. Luton have bought, though, a new wing back, uh, Hashioka. And he has been priced in at 4.0. Okay, and it's, it's a, cheap. He's, you know, we're not saying he's going to go straight in, but he he might do. Luton have invested in him. Definitely on the right-hand side. That's so one to I'll keep. I'll doubt he will stay out on the left. Yeah. Yep. And that's one to keep an eye on. Which, from that perspective as well, this new signing plus Ogbené's form is concerning for those who are sitting there with Issa Kabore. People will be. Um, and there's... I don't want to say there's no chance from getting back in, but I would think the way Ogbené and Doughty have been playing, plus this new signing, it's probably looking unlikely. You might need to think about your, your solutions for that. Uh, for Brighton... Obviously, extremely bad day at the office. It is, believe it or not, Serge, three league wins from their last 16 league games. He doesn't feel like it, I think, because their progress in, in Europe and the FA Cup. But we'd be scrutinising it quite badly, I think, if it wasn't a Roberto De Zerbi team. So we should. And they yep. have had bad injuries. But whatever Brighton team rocks up should not be getting beat 4 0 at Luton, right? Agreed. Yeah, definitely not. I was going to ask you, how's the. Uh, the, the love affair with De Zerbi now is he kind of the shine is the shine has uh, been knocked off a little bit. Well, of course it has because ultimately you can play. You know, teams are now used to it. You know what you're getting. I always say it right. You don't turn up under percent against Brighton. You're going to get beat. But teams treat them seriously like a big opponent, a big opposition because of the tactical stuff that they input. If you watch the kickoff of the game back, Luton just go for them from the start. Mm. Um, well, they scored two goals in a minute, mate. So, well, essentially, obviously. yeah, because they scored after twenty seconds, and then they scored forty seconds after the restart again. So basically, we're two new up inside a minute, yeah. And then <coughs> for Brighton, you're obviously chasing the game from now. João Pedro, we expect an update on later today. Um, I, I would yeah. say he's very unlikely to play their big game against Crystal Palace tomorrow, and it does now become a big game. Because it's important to the Brighton fans, and I'm not suggesting that if the result goes badly, people start questioning De Zerbi's future. Not at all. But I think there'd be a few going, well, come on now. Now we're, now we're playing once a week and stuff like that. The excuses need to stop. I realise it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday this week. But they've got the same time difference between Palace. What I mean is they've not been overly exerted with the fixtures over this January period because of the break. So it's time for them to step up a little bit now. I think uh, there's every chance Ferguson may play tomorrow if Pedro's out for a while. You need to be aware that Ansu Fati's really close. Uh, Julio Siso is not a million miles away either. Mitoma, by the way, came on for Japan on Wednesday. Right. So we would assume as and when they go out... He'll when, be back and fit. He'll be back and, and fit. So I'm obviously hoping Japan win this weekend and win the semi because checks notes yeah coming to Tottenham next week I don't, right. I don't need to see Matoma <laughs> and uh, Estupinan was obviously a popular popular choice he's obviously playing now but uh, whereas previously if you just said to me right Estupinan's fit and back in the Brighton team I would be trying to think of a way to get back to him as quickly as possible with their current form he's not really that much that's of a, a priority for me. That's a great fiction to go into. I, I tell you concerns. That's not the first time this season that he's taken him off at half-time in a away mm. game. He also did it when they got battered at Villa. And this is where the criticism will get labelled out with a Deserby. That's now in the space of the last year. 5-1 against Everton, 6-1 at Villa, 4-0 at Luton. Like, it's not acceptable, really. 
Yeah, if if we'd been if, in if it last we're going to put them on a pedestal where we talk about them as a really good side, we have to we have to do it the other way and, and start questioning stuff when it goes wrong. They've been flitting the last couple of weeks between a back four and a back three. You'll note Van Heck and Julio both played essentially either side of Lewis Dunk. Um, James Milner had started as essentially like a right wing back. He obviously went off injured really early in the game. Jack Hinchwood has played a lot recently, got a break. I'm sure he'll come back in tomorrow. But there's not a guarantee at the moment with Brighton, I think partly because of the injuries in fairness, whether you're getting a back four or a back three. And it's also not going to be clear necessarily whether you're getting a Stupinan as a left-sided centre-back, a left-back or a left-wing back. Now, in that game against Luton, it would have been the position that you want, but you, didn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have been looking at getting anything out of it. The Brighton people that we know like on our Patreon network have said the score wasn't a fluke. It was thoroughly deserved. Not only that Luton won, that by the scoreline as well, was deserved. Crystal Palace 3, Sheffield United 2. Now, Sheffield United went ahead twice in this game and then to end up... like Palace did dominate um, possession and they had more of the chances and probably... Those are words you've never said before. Palace dominated possession. Um, But Sheffield United, we talked about this on the Patreon pod, right? Two goals in this game, two goals in the cup game, two goals against us. Winless, albeit a penalty at the end that was a bit dubious, but still they've they've started getting goals. Yep. They're leaking in the other end yep. at the moment, and uh, Wilder really needs to fix that. Yeah, they're, they're being a little bit more expansive because um, you're running out of games, right? And you get into a point with Sheffield United where soon draws is just uh, going to be irrelevant. Mm. You're going to start winning games of football now. Were they ten points? Such? Nine off Luton. That's big. <laughs> I mean, as it stands... And you, Luton have a game as, in as, hand. As it stands, you can't see the bottom two staying up. No. Because it's not even just... With, with Luton... You Bernie's could, seven points. With Luton, you look at Luton, you think... You might start thinking, well, I think Luton will stay up. And then you stop. Well, who does go down instead? Say Everton get their points back and Forest don't get a points deduction. Is it Brentford? Is it Palace? Like Palace, if, if uh, at least saying is they're fit, they're going to be fine, aren't they? Yeah. So one of our patrons described it the other night as like, Elisa and Eze are fit. They play like a top half team. If you take them out, their certainty is for relegation, basically. It does feel a bit like that with them. They've bought... They um, were fit in this game, mind, and they, they managed to, to win it, though. Yeah, I mean, look, the quality of goals well, in this game... Well, they both went off. I loved the Sheffield United goal, by the way. You know, no Palace player touched the ball. Brilliant play and, and flick inside from McBurney, the pass from Hamer, and then the finish from Ben Brereton. Diaz really good to give them the lead. He, by the way, should be fit for the weekend. Chris Wilder said that taking him off, he actually described it, Chris Wilder, as saying it was the right thing to do. They picked it up as a take him off as a precautionary. They expect him to be okay for Villa tomorrow. James McAtee, I think, is the one to really keep an eye on because so cheap. If you really need to find that bottom end of midfield money, he's playing in a position where he's getting into really advanced positions on basically off the right-hand side at the moment. And because he's playing for Sheffield United, with respect, you're never thinking, oh, I need to play him, I need to play him. Or someone like Garnacho could give you that that headache of a benching dilemma. McAtee would just give you really nice cover, I think. And there might be ones like Luton in 24 where you, deem that you do want to play him, for example. McAtee is of interest to me. If I need to find money, so I think I would look down that route. But Palace, we good player. I think um, yeah, he was the city player. I just don't so. trust the team. You know, even when when we played them, he was clearly the standout in terms of quality on the ball. But I just he's, don't trust. He's the team probably enough. more the point. If you're looking for a sub four point six million midfielder as an example, it's probably the he's one. He's the go to for right. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say he's the go to for sure. Like, let who else let me say he's probably the one that I would go to. 
I mean, who else is even in that bracket as, as an option? Tommy Doyle might be one to keep an arm. Jao Gomez was quite lively when he came on for Wolves yesterday. He's obviously come back from suspension. There's not a lot there. No. So McAtee will play the majority yeah. of, of the games. Uh, for Palace, I know there was a few. Did Gamble, Eze. My point was I'd probably rather Elise once they're both back fit. And I didn't want to go Eze because I didn't think Elise would, would be back. I didn't think they'd risk him. They did. Eze said himself after the game that he was fine. He also said that Elise was fine. So we're relying at the moment on Ebe Eze's word that the two of them should be fine. They're playing Brighton. If they're 70%, 80%, they will play. They'll they'll risk them in that fixture, I should imagine. Uh, and Palace are obviously going to be a dangerous team under that circumstance. You've suddenly got Estupanan going against Elise. It would probably be a really interesting battle to keep an eye out for. They've bought um, Sam Wharton from Blackburn, who's a midfield player. I've not seen a huge amount of him. But I know a few people keep asking about Chris Richards. He's 3.9. I'd been covering that holding midfield role. He played right-sided of a back three at Arsenal. On Tuesday, he played at right-back. Palace have also bought a right-back, Munoz, who wasn't available to play on Tuesday. So I would say he's he will become a dangerous one. And not to the extent that like people own need to sell dramatically. But if you look at Palace's fixtures, Serge, a lot of people are looking for covering 26 and 28, respectively. And I think they've got, I want to say, Burnley at home and Luton at home are the two games. So if you're looking for something specifically in those two weeks, and people will be looking for nice things in 26, um, then I think Palace kind of appeal from that perspective. That means Eze and Elise should be kept on radar. I wouldn't be guaranteeing that Richard's going to stay in that team because he's been, he's been shunted around positions now as well. And they've got a new right back and a new midfielder. And obviously played without him in midfield at the weekend. So that experiment... Might be over now. What have they got? Such fixtures? Yeah, Luton. And, it's uh, Luton and, and Burnley. Why 28 it? specifically? Just for the people that are thinking um, that 29 is the blank? I just It might just be down to the, the fixtures in that week. You know, it's things yeah. like um, that's when uh, City and Liverpool play each other. I right. think Villa and Tottenham play each other. So it's probably not a, a kind of a good-looking week for perhaps... If you're sitting there with Moreno, Porro, Trent, I don't know, Walker, as long as you don't bench him then you're probably looking at that week going, oh, I might want something different defensively. And I think those two fixtures together means that a few are keeping a, a kind of close eye on Palace at the moment. So, But it would only, for me, be... If I need to go down that route, to be honest, I would by that point, I would just pay for Anderson or Gay if yeah. that's what I wanted to do. Villa 1, Newcastle 3. So turn around on the books here. Uh, Newcastle putting a, a leaf out of West Ham's book almost. They're less than 40% possession, but... Managed to uh, game state a lot to win. do with that. Yeah, exactly. Getting ahead early um, was the one, and we should have all gone with Fabian Share, right? Triple captain him <laughs> this week. <laughs> it would have been on a, a lot of benches for. Uh, to be honest, people who owned the majority of people would have would have benched him, and perfectly understandable. Um, I thought Villa would have been comfortably. I take no shame in saying that. I said that on on the pods we did on Friday. And then to be honest, I watched Newcastle at Fulham Saturday night and despite it obviously being a, a good result and a good victory, they didn't impress. Mm. And I'm looking at them with a high energy that Villa played without Joel Linton and being a bit fearful for them. Actually, they found their levels and they thoroughly deserved the lead that they found themselves into, in uh, particularly in the first half. They really, really got at Villa, particularly down Villa's right-hand side. Gordon was a, a menace. Did they have uh, a problem down that right-hand side of Villa? Does <clears throat> Bailey, you said, yeah. improve the team when he came on? Diaby's been in and out. Um, I was. Do you think that's where I, to attack? I them? was surprised that Cash and Moreno were both in the team against a strong opponent like that. 
I think what he what he obviously wanted to do, they had major success last year using I wanna say midfielders in wide areas, particularly with Jacob Ramsey had a really good did a dual job in when Villa beat Newcastle three 0 last year. Ironically, that was Newcastle's worst away performance last year. This one has probably been their best away performance bar you can argue the eight 0 at Sheffield United. But I think what he wanted to do was get McGinn and Tielemans into these ten positions and kind of really, really disrupt and obviously get both fullbacks quite high. The problem was it was playing into Newcastle's hands in terms of Newcastle on transition. Leaves a lot of space behind, doesn't it? On Villa, yeah. And I think obviously mm. Constant had been playing at right back a lot. He moved into centre back, caused a bit of indecisiveness. Clement Longley is the natural one to play left sided centre back at the moment. I don't know if there was a problem with Diego Carlos because he can play that position. When we analysed him when Villa bought him, we said, look, he can play left and right sided centre back. Some surprise he didn't get a nod over Longley. Pau Torres is beginning to become a miss. But their structure works much better when they have one defensive fullback and one very offensive one. Also I think Cash wouldn't have played if Bailey had played. Which is something I've covered several times over that there's a link there where that's like it's too much on that side. What you want is someone who's just going to back Bailey up and essentially give him the ball. He came on with the game dead at 3 0, and he genuinely was electric when he came on. He just kept getting at it and just turning and running at him. And he got Dan Byrne worried massively. Eddie Howe gave it 10 minutes, he went, no more of that. He brought Livermento on at left back and went to a back five to see the game out. But for that 10 minutes, Bailey created the goal for Watkins. He also created another goal for him, which was very narrowly offside, but obviously the correct decision. And he was just a menace. And you, if you'd have watched the game, you'd have gone, how have they not started him? Unai Emery said after the game that he had a back complaint and wasn't 100% fit. So I've got a dilemma now going into this weekend, for example, where I've obviously still got him. Um, do I start him at Sheffield United or do I start basically Jared Bowen at Manchester United? And I think I'm going to punt Bailey again because I'm... I'm aiming. I'm aiming yeah, for yeah. what he could be. As I mean, put let's put it this way: if, if that's him injured, you wouldn't want to see him at hundred percent because it didn't look like there was anything wrong with him, mate. He was really, really good. I'm not suggesting anyone goes and buys him yeah. because he's a risk. I, I, he I don't want pun. that dilemma in my life, mate. To be honest, um, with you. well, I I trod this path a little while ago and I wild carded in between and still kept him. So, so I'm I'm at peace with the decision I've made. Yes, I probably will start him this weekend. As said, I may well captain Watkins. We know what happened the last time Villa played Sheffield United, but I also use the narrative of what I said. It's a home game. And to be honest, Sheffield United got to start be targeting points. Not that they went to Villa and didn't don't you just assume you're going to lose. You, not at all. But they'll have to play a little bit more open than they did at Villa Park, I think. Um, and if Bailey starts, which I'm obviously not going to know at deadline, then I think, yeah, Watkins could, could have some joy in this, actually. And I think Bailey could have some joy in this as well. They need to sort out those, those wide areas better. That with Cash and Moreno both playing, it won't stick for me. It's not to say they won't do it again this weekend because the opponent, but I don't think that'll stick. And Pau Torres has been a big miss for them. He's a big miss for my FPL team at the moment. It's becoming a pain in the arse because mm. we don't really know what's going on. Right. Let's move to uh, Wednesday night, James. Man City 3, Burnley 1. That uh, customary late consolation goal for Burnley. Why does City do it to us? But then I've avoided City You already defense. know. I've avoided City defence for the entire season, to be honest with you. So I'm happy to, well, apart from I started the season with John Stones, but never got any minutes because he was injured. Um, yeah, and I have no desire, it leaves me no desire to want to go there defensively. 
um, with Man City at the moment, even though there probably will be some some clean sheets in there. Yeah. Ironically, comfortable though, though. Ironically, though, the best ones are going. I'm sorry, and I'm not even saying it as a joke. Is Carl Walker? Yeah, because now he's had the break as well. Mm. You'd think with well, that's it, he's going to play the majority of the games, but they're all fit. Stones, Akanji, they're all available now. Um, I said this on a few bits yesterday, and I said it to you this morning as well. I think they'll pick a taller team at Brentford because of the opponent. So I wouldn't expect to be seeing Rico Lewis again at right back. Doesn't mean Walker definitely plays. He could play John Stones in that position. He can't even play a Kanji in that position. Um, every single player in the squad is fit. Wow. <laughs> every single one. So, you know, there is going to be rotation at points, particularly as the fixtures get closer together. I think identifying which defensive player makes it tough. I think when we've looked at City this year, we've often felt picking the right defensive one was more difficult anyway. Not not even in the sense that there's not like a Cancelo standout that we've had in the past. Just it actually felt like defensively they had more options mm. than offensively. Now now that De Bruyne's back, you've got Oscar Bob being integrated. I understand even Matthias Nunes played quite well on Wednesday night. Like there's loads of options there, loads. So it's probably as usual, pick your poison and be a piece of it. I've seen people talking about moving like Foden to De Bruyne this week and I'm just wouldn't be in a rush to do that. Yeah, sort of I thing. don't like sideways moves. And I've got Julian Alvarez still sitting there. I'm still going to start him. He, he may be the one that makes way for Erling Haaland, but I still start I think he'll, he'll, he'll be the most captain player, I think. Alvarez? Week. No, De Bruyne. Oh, De Bruyne. I think, yeah. Okay. I think with Alvarez, there'll be enough nervousness of Haaland take his place. Yeah, yeah. Most people will be looking at De Bruyne now going, yeah, that's going to play. Yeah, I mean, his EO was up to about 70%-ish top 10K. Okay. So quite a lot had gone into him. Yeah, yeah even Live FPL did tell me that the player that hurt my rank the most was Kevin De Bruyne. So I would probably, I would imagine for those who've gone De Bruyne, I mean, yeah, I'd captain De Bruyne over Watkins at this minute, yeah. So I'd imagine most people would be thinking, right, that's a, that's a saving of headache unless there's clear Holland info, which we can't expect, right? Like these guys are giving leaks, and people like leaks, people dislike leaks, use them, don't use them, whatever. I don't know how anyone's going to know the team Saturday morning for Monday night. I don't know how anyone's going to know. Yeah, they, they might know an intended team. Saturday morning to Monday night. It's a long It's not it. realistic to expect anything tomorrow. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I'd be dubious about it anyway because there's so much that can change. The, the train on Saturday, Sunday. So, by the way, if someone does tweet and say, oh, yeah, De Bruyne's starting Monday or something, yeah, and he, and then he doesn't rock up, yeah, be in mind there's training sessions in between and people can get niggles and shit like that can happen between leaking and deadlines. And there's always a danger of that if you're getting something 24 hours before as well. What I would say on Foden, as much as I probably wouldn't make that sideways move, it wouldn't be the one I can't buy at the moment now. I'd, I'd ease off that. I think my general view on City would be this week, Unless you're buying De Bruyne or Haaland specifically, don't go there. For now, seek seek that bit more of information for Monday. Seek in terms of is it absolutely necessary, bearing in mind who knows if Liverpool are going to double in 25 now or not. It might give you more time where you can make sure I've got the right City free. So if you take me at the moment, I've got Foden, Alvarez, Haaland, right? Yep. There's no way I'd be looking at those three players playing twice in the double. Probably be thinking Holland. Holland gets two, and the other two probably play once. But and they will come off appearance. the bench. That's exactly. The so that. they'll get enough minutes across. So I, I probably at the moment would go. That's my free. It'll it'll be what it'll be. 
because my priority ideally is going to be probably wanting to get Liverpool players and making sure and I'm getting the right Chelsea, cover. Chelsea, Tottenham. Exactly uh, that. Liverpool Whereas, obviously, if the Liverpool double doesn't happen, I might be sitting there this time next week um, thinking, well, that's not the right City player. I can move it. Yeah. Now I'll but it'll go, be a luxury. Now I'll go Alvarez to Tony. Oh, okay. Salah's not fit. Right. I definitely want to force De Bruyne in, for example. That I don't want to do at this minute in time. So I'm comfortable with what I've gone. And I think most should probably take a similar decision. The big one is, do we buy Haaland now or wait? I think it's exactly what I said on my stream on Tuesday night. This has come down a gut feeling at this moment. Like if you if you can sit there and you can say oh, I think you'll definitely I think you'll start buy him if you're that way if you don't think that don't also the biggest thing is going to be dependent on who you sell right so in the case of say what you and I had going into this week Alvarez same problem I wouldn't want to go Alvarez to Holland at this moment yep. because it could be exactly as it was the other night I wouldn't want to sell Watkins playing at Sheffield United I wouldn't want to sell Solanke playing at Omni Forest so if you've got that which people might even describe as maybe even the optimum three going into this week then I'm not selling any of them kick it forward a week. if I'm sitting there with Jao Pedro who's probably going to get ruled out and I have the money in the bank I'm probably going to gamble it and just get yeah. him in Agreed. if I'm sitting there with Darwin Nunes tomorrow morning and he's a doubt for the weekend and, and it's and, Arsenal and there's no announcement of the Liverpool Luton game then you maybe can maybe make a, a call to move that on. Yeah, understood. Uh, no interest in Burnley at all. No. no. What I'll just add on <laughs> them is um, Vincent Company is not being helpful at the moment in terms of team news or some of the enabling players. I, I, I know people keep asking about Charlie Taylor um, and he's just not giving anything away. Like in his presser on Tuesday, he, he was asked about six players who were injured and he said there will be some good news from that. Now, the good news from that was that Sander Berger played, but none of the others were, were back available. And it's similar from him going into this weekend, I think, as well. So all I know is, ahead of my Game Week 21 deadline stream, someone came on my stream and said Charlie Taylor had a really bad neck injury and was likely to be out for two months. But I've got nothing to, to back that up. But for whatever reason, he's not giving anything away. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, he said, oh, I'm going to blame my press officer. My press officer told me not to say something. Things like that make you feel like, what's the point of even... Agreed. Don't even do the press conference, just say, oh, sorry. It's there's, like an obligation for what? Yeah, there's plenty that are, uh, are like that in terms of managers not giving a lot away. Uh, for the first time, uh, rarely do you ever see a team score their XG. Tottenham 3, Brentford 2, your XG was 3. And you scored 3. Uh, that's higher than it felt watching the game. <laughs> let's, let's say. But then Brentford's also was as well. Yeah. Strange game, obviously, I was at the game. Brentford, uh, hang on, I don't know how to define this. I was going to say Brentford played well first half. Um, they did, but it wasn't like Brentford outplayed us. If, if no, that makes no, sense. They but they, they deserved their lead on opportunities. And the thing is with Brentford, it's like, I know if I go and watch Tottenham play Brentford, the worst thing that can happen is to go 1-0 down. They are an absolute pig to play against if you're losing. You know that, didn't you, boss? Mm. Um but I'm also with the predetermined kind of mindset in my mind. Don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated because you know what it's going to be like. Now, of course, ninety percent of the rest of the crowd can't deal with that. No, I admire Neil. I want to look down the camera and say I admire Neil Morpay's shithousery. Admire it. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't like the guy. But he was. But always, he was obviously going to get it back with both barrels. Of as course. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they created 
It's interesting. I had a discussion with Clayton on Wednesday about Man City killing the atmosphere at Tottenham mm. on Friday night. The one thing about shithousing is it does get everyone up, up. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Agreed. Um, and when we equalised, you could feel the quickly momentum. And obviously, we, we three, scored three, we scored three in eight in minutes, seven or eight rapid, minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Brentford's. I've been concerned about them recently. They certainly didn't look like a team that I'd be fearful would get relegated. Let's put it that way. Having Tony back amongst that is obviously really important. They played basically a hybrid back four slash back three where Ben Mee would move to left back and King Lewis Potter, um, who was dangerous but never felt like he was going to have kind of an end product on him, basically moved left wing back to, to left wing. Ross left alternated between right wing back and right back. They got their best midfield three on the pitch at the moment, which is important. Norgard, Jensen and Janelt, that's the favoured best three. And I think they've got the the back three together now as well, which would, would be favoured as well. So Bar, Bumo, Visser being back from Rico AFCON. Henry. The, 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 the Rico Henry is a season long and obviously Aaron Hickey mm. is a loss. So other than the, the forward areas and the two wide positions, at least their spine yeah. is fixed now. So that's going to make them stronger. They'll give City a game on Monday, but I wouldn't foresee them getting any points out of it. Uh, for my team... Jack and Hyde stuff. I mean, basically, Serge, we played well for 25 minutes. We started the game. This has re- been we started the game really well. In fact, we started thing. both halves really well. And if the ball goes in the back of the net, it's great. And if it doesn't, you do. I, I've felt that with like even when you we played against you, you start really well, and it's a bit demoralising. But as the game goes on and, and the opposition gets settled in, then you think actually. Yeah, there is opportunities against these, and it's it's proved again. Like you've come out of this winning. How, but many, it could how have... many times you hear me saying the last couple of weeks, Tony will get a big chance against mm. us. I mean, it helps when Destiny just literally passes him the ball <laughs> and puts him through one on one. Um, Not as easy as uh, as Calvin Phillips yeah. setting up Solanke, though. Uh, similar, yeah. That's both our teams have put on brilliant assists assist. for two of the deadliest forwards in the league at the moment in Solanke and, and Tony. Udoki had a really strange game. Um, forget the back pass in the moment. I thought in the first half it was his, be- his worst forty-five minutes for Tottenham, and yeah, he's ended up playing a pivotal role in winning the game with, with, his, well with his driving which runs, is, uh, big that have ended up obviously scoring a goal. And uh, having uh, quite a big involvement in the third goal as well. So he'd, he'd had some really good moments. But his general play, he just played nervous all through the game. He's he normally got this upper body strength that he holds people off and stuff. He kept running into trouble. A really strange game. Um, so we looked more vulnerable, ironically, on Wednesday than we did, say, against City last Friday. Um, Bentoncourt and Madison kept getting on each other's toes, which is really strange to say because Bentoncourt played as the six with Oliver Skip a little bit ahead to the right and Madison a lot more ahead, obviously, kind of this left half-space position. Um, but Madison kept coming so deep and it felt like when we were in the in possession, Madison and Bentoncourt were playing the same roles and kind of getting in each other's way. And Ange... Basically, I think won the game by taking Benson Core off was was a really really big call because Hoiberg just such a different profile player, and obviously he moved Kulusevski into a more central area. Kulusevski also had a very very quiet game. He moved him into a central area. So what ironically happened was the change won us the game. So you change the game. You go Kulusevski and Madison as tens. You bring Johnson on. You got these two flyers on the wing, and obviously Richardson in front. You go right. We are going for it. It's not like the fullbacks are going to sit back. 
And obviously within 10 minutes, we've got the game won. But the problem was, because he'd taken Benson Crow and skip off, he didn't, he didn't have anything available to call on like a Sara or a Basuma to then shut it back down again. So the game just stayed open. And it was like, well, we'll outgun you, basically. So I think at 3-1, we should have shut the game back down, but he didn't have the personnel to do it. Saar being back for Everton tomorrow, I touch wood, uh, is obviously Senegal out. It's going to be really, really important for us. Um, and I very much hope he starts. It'll make a difference for us in terms of particularly on transition, both with and without the ball. Um, pleased that Johnson scored, because I yep. and a lot of Tottenham fans give him a lot of stick recently. He was in the right place at the right time. He actually times his movement on the back post extremely well. Um, and was lively when he came on, but I think it helped that he came into a team that was chasing rather than, you know, ball on. The, the game changed. If you look at the, the goals, they're all kind of on the move and sweeping forward, whereas before we'd had this block that we couldn't break down, and that's a problem that we face. Arsenal face similar challenges. When you, when you can play from deeper positions and cut men out of the game and you're running at speed, yeah, teams like Tottenham and Arsenal will kill you. Um, Werner... Was, was T Turbo Timo? He was brilliant. Mm. He was really good. He still doesn't strike me that if if he gets in a position he's going to shoot, I wouldn't for a second think he's going <laughs> to score ever. But he was really direct in his running. He worked really hard defensively off the ball as well. Um, carried a threat and a purpose. His movement off the ball is really good. Tottenham need to send him away quickly. His end product will be erratic. He has now made three assists in his three games for Tottenham. It was really good. The fans have taken to him. He's really likeable. When you hear him speak, he did an interview after the game. He just comes across as someone you think, I want you to do well, mate, even if you might not be here permanently. But if he carries on the way he played on Wednesday night, Tottenham will sign him permanently in the summer. That's going to be his position primarily, his left wing. Of course, if Sonny's back, he plays Australia later today. Could, in theory, be back next week. I don't know what happens now. I don't know the answer um, because you, you certainly wouldn't be taking Richarlison out of the team at the moment. No, he's been banging in the goals. You could move Werner to the right and then uh, there's what do move, you do with Kudu? move into the centre Yeah, but these are good problems to have. It's, it's a little bit over the top. Well, these are issues that, I was not issues. These are problems that we haven't had. To be able to be in this position where we go, right, this isn't working, like on Wednesday and go, right, we're going to shove this about. We're taking two off. We're bringing you know, Hoiberg and Johnson into the game rather than, with respect, being bringing players on who are perhaps not of the required level for playing for a team that wants to qualify for the Champions League. So, yeah, Ange won the game, but his then inability to then be able to change it again nearly cost us the game. Uh, Liverpool 4, Chelsea 1. I did think Liverpool at home at Anfield could potentially do some damage. And obviously there's a missed penalty in there as well, so it could have been even worse. Uh, having said that, Chelsea may feel that they could have, should have had uh, penalties. I think they're the both end. penalties. I think yeah. even the Gallagher one, for me, is a penalty in the first half. Mm, so you could argue it both ways. It could have ended up 5-3 or whatever you want to, but that could have been a haul for Cole Palmer. Well, it also could have ended 8-1. Yeah, that's also true. So um, Liverpool relentless at the moment. I just think they're... They're on it. They're on it. And and Connor Bradley, Fabian Scher, hold my beer type stuff, isn't yeah. it? A 21-pointer coming in. No one's going there, really, are they? Because uh, Trent did come off the bench. Oh, people will go there. The bots will go there. People will go there. You've got a four million defensive Liverpool asset who has just hauled. And he also got good returns. It doesn't obviously fantasy-related, but he got good returns against Norwich at the weekend as well. Oh, okay, yeah, true. So what he's done... He's shown himself capable of that's an option now for Liverpool. 
that if Trent's unavailable, next they go, right, well, this kid's at right back is good enough. Now, you have to change the way you play, right? Trent, we know now, just goes and drifts into centre midfield, centre back position, basically whatever he wants in terms of how he goes and runs the football match for Liverpool. You ain't going to ask Conor Bradley to do that. No. So you're not the same player. You could look at Bradley, like we used to call Nico Williams, baby, baby Trent. Trent. I mean, that looks stupid now, doesn't it? This guy may be more so in terms of that directness down the flank, i.e. baby Trent in terms of playing how Trent used to play. Trent is not like that anymore no. in the same way. No. So you can't compare them. So what a lot of people think and want to know is like, so Bradley's done so well, does it mean Trent goes into midfield now? Well, I think... That would only happen under the circumstance that Alexis McAllister is unavailable. Okay. Not say only, but primarily, he's not going to move McAllister out the sixth position and he ain't going to move Sabosla out the right side of the eighth position either. So Trent will still play right back and he'll go into his area and join McAllister and do what he wants to do. I would be very surprised, honestly, if Conor Bradley started at Arsenal. I know it's harsh, but you can dip the kid in and say, look, well done, mate. That's brilliant. You are now a part of this first team squad and you've earned it and there will be more opportunities for you. Especially if Liverpool at the end of the season have to play Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, then yeah, there'll be opportunities. Don't worry about it. But yeah, I imagine Trent will come back in. I think he'll, he'll be unlucky, but he'll, he'll get left out at Arsenal, I think. Nunes, and that would be the right thing to do. Well, that's up to Klopp, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe Klopp will think different. Um, but I imagine Trent will, will come back in. There'll be there'll be a lot of tactical manoeuvres and stuff in that game, and having someone like Chess, Trent trying to outmaneuver each other. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't play personally. Nunes now, Serge. Uh, I don't know if you've heard or seen the stat. Has now hit the woodwork in all competitions this season twelve times. Nico laughed behind the camera. It gets funnier, mate. No other player in the Premier League has done that more than four times in a season. No, this season. Oh, this season. So. Okay. In all competitions, and admittedly, that means he's played more games than a lot of players, but he has hit the woodwork three times more than any other player. <laughs> Takes some doing that. <laughs> he is a big doubt for Sunday. Um, Jurgen Klopp said that he's had a scan on his foot and it's all yeah. clear. Basically, he said he's, they need to be able to get his foot in the boat. So he's obviously got some form of swelling in his foot or his ankle. Right. Which is causing the problem. It's not serious damage, but therefore he's a doubt for Sunday. And to go back to the point on the tactical, he had an inkling that he might not start anyway. And Gakpo might play a more kind of Firmino-like role in the game and use Nunes later on when perhaps it might open up a bit more. And I, I could see Klopp doing that possibly anyway and then keeping Jota and, and Diaz in, in the wide roles. And it was very much Nunes as a, as a nine the other night. I still love him. It's like he had he had that little quiet period and now he's he's back on it again, uh, Nunes. You know what you're going to get, but... It's not for me. He's, the inconsistency would drive me crazy. Whereas Jota, for example, that I owned so many, for so many weeks I in know fantasy. Consistency, minutes, points per minute's fine. If Jota misses out and doesn't play, I won't be mad at him. Whereas Nunes, I would just rage. Like I've got no he could have finished rapport this. built with him. He's finished on two points, right? Yeah, he could have easily finished on like twenty plus. Yeah, I've no interest in Darwin Nunez. I don't know what would need to happen for me to buy him, but that wasn't enough. Um, yeah, he's he's not. I mean, I wouldn't buy him now. Definitely not. But could I look at him next week? Yeah, maybe if the doubles on. For me, <laughs> for me, it would need that. Yeah, yeah but it, if the it might on. be that I look next week and go, yeah, do you know what? 
I'm going to chase this and go Watkins to Nunez for a couple of weeks. Yes, I, I might decide to do that next week. I certainly wouldn't this week. And as I said previously, I can get why people would move him to Holland if that's what they want to do. Yes, I think there's a possibility that he might not start the weekend. For Chelsea, uh, that's nearly their strongest team, isn't it? Bar, uh, sort of like Kunku, James, maybe. Sanchez, and when we on Kunku, yeah, sure, it's not started. What I mean is, like, in terms of the midfield area, you would expect Yeah, Caicedo and Enzo as a two in there. In front of Gallagher it. probably is, right. I'd probably say Nkunku instead of Madueke. I think this would be a controversial call. I've, I speak about him a lot. I think they should take Thiago Silva out of the team now. Well, I think the, time the guy is 40, it's time for him to retire. I think, look, and I always feel to justify, he's one of the best defenders I've ever seen. But Chelsea are having to play constantly to his beat, basically. You can look... If you, if you didn't know whether Silva's going to play left side or the right side of centre-back, you only have to look at who's playing at full-back and you'll know because it'll be a centre-back playing on the outside of him. Every time. So if they wanted to put themselves in a position where they go, right, let's sit Casado and Gallagher deeper and let's get Chilwell and Gusto playing as the full-backs and a lot more offensively. And I'm pretty sure every Chelsea fan just listened to that and went, I'd like to see that. You can't. With Thiago Silva. And Can't. Yeah. That's, I think, the decision that he's making. And therefore, I think there should come a point where Chelsea start looking at it and going, well, are we ever going to trust, like, Badia Shill and, and uh, this side to play together? Admittedly, Colwell, actually, in fairness, obviously, was a miss the other night as well. But at the moment, as it stands, Chilwell and Gusto, I think, will only play together in the fullback roles if Thiago Silva doesn't play. Right. So, like, I don't know whether to play Gusto this week or not. So I've no, I've no idea which way Pochettino will deem it. If Colwell's back, that possibly increases the potential for Gusto maybe to play at right back because Colwell's natural at left back. I don't think he really wants to play Badia Shield out. So if if Colwell's not back, does he go? Well, I can play Disasite right back, play Badia Shield left of Silver, and then push Chilwell on from left back. So I mean they're, they're jumping around Silver, like it or not, at the moment, unfortunately. Um, and Kunku really needs an eye kips on. I'm telling you, this, this kid will score goals. Yeah, but and when's he going to get well, the thing is the as well because they blank in 26. You've got what City away in 25. Even if the game goes on in 29, it's Arsenal away. Like the run, there's some good fixtures in there, but there's enough bad ones that's off putting. I think if he stays fit and proves himself over the next six weeks or so, I think he'll be extremely popular for when people wildcard after the international break. Yep. Okay, and let's move it on to last night's fixtures. Uh, starting with West Ham 1, Bournemouth 1. I mean, we can spend like two minutes on this game, mate. Go on, then. It's awful. <laughs> um, awful. Like, West Ham, it just feels like a jigsaw puzzle that the pieces don't fit together. That's really well said. I don't understand how... You play Jeff, James Ward-Prowse as we a left-winger. We are above no, me Manchester United, Newcastle, Brighton and Chelsea. We have more points than all of them so far this season. You're more reliable. This is it, right? You're more reliable. You can than all say what teams. you want. We didn't lose yesterday. You can say what you want about Sheffield United. We didn't lose against Sheffield United. Like if if it comes to it, we'll grind out. And these little points here and there, chipping away. You know, there's a clear divide Have now. You hit between, Forty points yet? Uh, we part, are the four started. points away, James. But there is. 
a clear gap between us and Aston Villa of like eight I points I now. I was going to say it's a clear gap between us and Luton. That makes <laughs> and, uh, so there's like uh, <laughs> seven points between us and Villa. So there's top five and then there's us, Man United, Chelsea, Newcastle. They're all Brighton. right behind you now. They are, I mean, four points to Brighton and stuff. But yeah, of course. But um, unlike Manchester United and Newcastle, we've what got European United football, be- what mate. United behind you? I think it was two points, mate. United go above you if they beat you Sunday. Uh, it is one point now. Oh, right. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. They, 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 and how many Newcastle are behind? Four clear. Newcastle is tied with Brighton four points behind. Okay. But then, so, so they can close to a point over this bit weekend, of breathing maybe. room. But still, relative to the performance you saw yesterday, the original question stands. <laughs> how are we above these guys? Because we were being awful for Cause, certain cause, games. Because you're consistent. Year. Um, yeah, consistently. You're difficult to beat. How many games results. have you lost? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I'll have a look at the standings. Um, I mean, people have been looking at it from an FPL point of view. I couldn't justify buying anybody from West Ham at the moment. They could have just picked up an assist I mean, again. United and Arsenal in the next two. Anyway, it's just, so. it's just, the, it's just a no go. Um, and Dominic Solanke did return, but other than other than that, they had a few chances, Bournemouth, but it wasn't a particularly end-to-end chances stacked game. No, I only watched the first half, so I can't really comment on the second. It didn't get any better. Yeah. West Ham were better in the second half. Def- definitely penalty, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were we were better in the second half, but I marginal. I watched. I, I say I didn't watch the second half. I watched the last ten minutes or so of the second half while it was kind of half time of Wolves Man United. And at that point, I could see Bowen had gone back out on the right. Yeah, Kudos was, was on the left, left. And Ings was up front. And I went, that makes my, so much more, more sense. sense. When I saw your team, I thought Diamond. I thought this it'll be James Ward-Prowse at the top of the Diamond. He'll play Alvarez as the deepest. And then he'll play the other two, Phillips That's and Suchek. That's not what I thought. No? What did you think? I thought 4-2-3-1 with Alvarez and Phillips as two. Ward-Prowse left. Suchek as a number 10. He'll press and push on high. Kudos on the right. And that's basically what it was. Mm. James Ward-Prowse on the left. Mm. It's it's the graveyard. It's where West Ham players go to. It's like, uh, and I've I've heard a few people describe it this way. When Moyes doesn't know what to do with a player, or he doesn't want to drop him, like Paqueta or what have you, left wing is where he goes to play him, four nouns or whatever in the past. If he doesn't know what to do with you, left wing is where he'll put you because he's got no other ideas what to do over there. So. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a great game at all. Look, Dominic Slanky, 13 goals now. Decent for him. Um, like West Ham, I'd sum up and say I wouldn't buy anyone right now. Uh, Bournemouth, if you've got Slanky, you hold, don't you? Oh, definitely this week, yeah. yeah. I think it was an easier one for us to make the call last week. This week, that that Solanke to Holland move this week would be way tougher. Forrest at home. I mean, he's captainable this week. That's a big difference. If someone said to me, I want to captain Dominic Solanke this week, I go, Good luck. Go for it. Good luck, yeah. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. He's in good form, consistent. He set up the chance for Semenyo. Should have made it 2-0 and stuff as well. Um, yeah, a good side. I think good result for them after the defeats to, to Tottenham and Liverpool might have dented a bit. Reality is, before those games, they were dispatching everybody that they were better than. And they're better than Forrest. So... I would expect them to win on Sunday, to be perfectly honest. Semenya being back, I mean, you can put him into that enabling category, but it's possibly a bit less useful than Adebayo or Breuer, subject to what you want to do and, and injuries to others over over future weeks. They'll stay on mine, though, because 
they might be, as we've covered earlier in the week, they might be the one that's got back-to-back doubles at the end of the season, right? Mm. So I think, you know, keep an eye on them going forward. Kelly played left-back, but might have possibly picked up a problem, I heard, maybe. James Hill, who stood in the Liverpool games out for about six weeks, and Milos Kirkes might get another run. Adam Smith was back, but that's competitive with Aaron's. What I do know is with them, those two centre-backs, and this will be interesting for doubles later on, those two centre-backs, Senesai and Zabarnier, particularly Zabarnier, I think, of the two, will almost definitely play the games in, in the running, I should think. Like, you're looking for doublers. Like, there's probably not enough in it to gamble on a Kirkes or Aaron's when he's back. It probably will be go for one of the centre-backs if or when it looks like you should do so. But that, that moment's not now, I don't think. No. And last but not least, the uh, car crash of the uh, game week was uh, obviously Wolves 3, Manchester United 4. United purring 2-0 up. They were great and for then, an hour. They were great, man, United, honestly. Then it turned into a little bit of a, of a madness. Um, they put on a, a really good display. I look at their starting 11 and I almost think, okay, is that probably their best 11, Close. maybe? Close. Garnacho out on the right, debatable and... Whether or not Kobe Mino or whether you'd argue Mason Mount or uh, uh, Christian Eriksen might be better in that position, but I do think that's the best. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Be better if Anana didn't leave enough room for buses to go in at the near post, but that's a different problem altogether. Yes, that probably is the strongest 11. So, and look, we have to say, in fairness to Ten Hag, he has said a lot when, when the team's back together. Judge us then. Yeah, and so we can only judge it on the last game and say that team played well, um, including Rashford who looked up for it. I'll tell you what I would say about him still, though. He took the goal ever so well. When he's running at people, it seems to be over-deciding, like not getting his shots away. Just want him to get it out of his feet and shoot. Just hit it. Think about that, like that goal he scored for England against Italy a couple of months ago. Just step inside. Don't overthink it. It feels like he's taking an extra touch. Or like that, the goal he scores comes back to him. It's nothing to think about. Just... Roll it in, basically. Um, he's worth keeping an eye on. All I'd say is he looked more at it last night, but still taking too many touches, I think, in the final third. Um, but it, as I said, they played really well in the first hour. The winning goal, I think anybody watching it live, I can't speak for everybody, but certainly how I felt, is a young boy, Mino. And as the goal is outrageous. I think it's one of the best best moments of the season, actually, from a neutral perspective. After he did the nutmeg and stepped inside, the angle we had, we could all see the shot. I didn't think he wouldn't score. Like, I thought he'll score there, even though it was on the edge of the box and he's a young boy. You take that responsibility as a kid when you've got your Fernandes' next year yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, what a talent. Brilliant, brilliant goal. And that came just after United had completely blown the game because, as said, they played really well for an hour once Wolves got their own dubious penalty, yes, Wolves fans, you got a dubious decision. Now, you've had enough go against you, admittedly. Um, I don't want to say United were on the ropes, but you, even though that you thought, they've missed so many chances here, United, it, it might bite them. Then they scored again fairly quickly through McTominay. But then even then, Kilman scored, and it's like six minutes to go. Then there's like nine minutes added time. You're thinking, I know this United team could buckle. And it did. Yeah, it did buckle. The equalising goal they concede is, put it this way, if it was a goal conceded by Tottenham, I'm not sure I'd be able to defend it because they overcommit players going forward in the 94th minute for a set piece. 
against a team that's got people like Neto, who, if you give space, Neto, Cunha, these guys are real good ball carriers. Yep. Shut the game down a little bit. But like all the all the centre-backs, Maguire's on, Evans on, they've all gone forward and stuff. Yeah. But they, they did deserve to win, no doubt about it. Wolves players are definitely worth keeping an eye on. I think they'll become quite a bit of a topic heading into 26 because they've got Sheffield United at home. So I think that in itself will create some interest where people want to look at Neto's. Huang will be back by that point. Yeah, they're worth keeping an eye on. I don't understand... So I think they're going to give Chelsea a tough game this weekend. Yeah, I, I, I don't particularly doubt that. They'll be better off if Ray and Aitnori plays. But I was going to say, Doherty had a bad day. They decided to switch him and Semedo for a bit earlier in the game because, uh, to be honest, Doherty was just struggling so much. I spoke uh, numerous times about the link and the movement between systems worked so much better with Aitnori playing. I assumed having been a sub at West Brom that he'd played... Maybe his fitness is a, is a little bit short. And I don't know if there's a clue there to other players coming back from AFCON and even the Asia Cup in the sense that perhaps you can't be sure the demands on Premier League football, you can't be sure that these players are being put through the same demands in their training. Mm. That's not to say that that is the case, but I can't think why Norrie didn't start for Wolves last night. I'm pretty sure it'll start at Chelsea. Well, we shall find out, won't we? As the weekend rolls out. Um, James, normally at this point, once we've wrapped up the games, I say, what content have people got to look forward to the rest of the week? Nothing is your answer. No, no you haven't even got a deadline stream. Sorry, I'm getting up a quarter to five to go to Everton tomorrow morning. Yeah, there are others that do deadline streams. Feel free to watch them. We're not, yes, uh, we're not trying to create a monopoly here. Um, so, yeah. Feel free to, to ask others your repetitive questions instead of getting abuse from James for asking Yeah, but them. they know I'll answer it. The others might not. Indeed. Uh, with the tight turnaround, James, I'm having a quick fil- flick through some of the questions uh, that we've had in on the internet. There isn't a huge amount. A few people just stating um, statements like, I'm going to go rogue and start Trent and Bradley. Go for it. Next. Go for it. FPL Shriek only scored 35 this week. Is it time to delete the app? No, no, no. I should never use the app anyway. Always go to the mobile website. Next. Is my my opinion. Play it your way. Uh, Yes. If Liverpool don't double in 25, do we look towards KDB rather than Salah? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Uh, Can KDB, Foden, Alvarez and Haaland all coexist? There'll be a... Game where they're all four play and they'll win six nil. Yes, but, like that. but that means Foden holding the touchline. Mm. Uh, Alex, here's one for you, James. What's your favourite holiday destination? Amsterdam. <laughs> um, uh, we've been to Mallorca a few times. Mallorca, where yeah. the water don't taste like it. Water. Yeah. I'm uh, going to say the best place I've ever been is. The Maldives, I'd say, but that was pretty lucky to be able to go. Nico's like, yeah, man. But uh, Fiji was pretty good right, as well when I went you. on my honeymoon. Um, <laughs> we could only afford the easy jet. Nah, nah. And <laughs> you uh, don't pay me enough. And last but not least, the Bombardier. If you were on death row, what would be your final meal? We've had that plenty. I know what I'd answer, you'd answer, kebab. You always said kebabs your go-to chicken shish. Oh, I go to chicken, mate. Honestly, chicken as your final meal. Yeah, because as well, I'm on Tottenham High Road. I'm at home, so yeah. Yeah, I've always been sausage, chips, and beans. James uh, would be my death row meal. So sausage, chips, and beans. Keep it nice and simple. Um, yeah, 
indeed. A rattle through some of them. We haven't had too many others on the internet. And uh, obviously people got lots to think about before the deadline, which is now less than 24 hours away. It leaves me to say good luck this weekend with your fantasy teams, whichever formats you're playing, particularly with FPL. Stay safe. Be kind to each other, as James says. You reiterate that point. Um, and uh, ciao for now. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, be nice to each other. Play it your way. Cue music, please, man child. What do we say at the start, Joseph? If you've got nothing nice to say, don't fucking say, say nothing. nothing. The Fantasy Football Show. Sports Social Podcast Network.